Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, your home loan expert, your Longhorn lender. See if Aaron can do for you what she did for Linda and me, and that was to help get our home loan approval turned around in a snap. She is, after all, the person who can make that home loan approval guarantee in 10 days or less a reality. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K, bowersockteam.com. Across town, sequestered in the media hotel, is my co-host, the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School. You know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That's Jeff Howe, who's up here for Horns 24-7 to uh, cover the Longhorns as well as to be a part of this program. Uh, I had teased the program, Jeffrey, by mentioning the fact that you had a long and arduous travel day to get up to Des Moines. That seems to be commonplace with folks going to Des Moines. Uh, is that ultimately how it played out for you? That's accurate. By the way, I'm in Urbandale. I decided to skip out on the media hotel. Uh, oh, wow. You're even further out. You're in Urbandale. <laughs> stay, stay a little further out, rent a car, and uh, so I don't have to worry about shuttling back and forth or Ubers or whatnot. I can kind of do my own thing. So an air an air high five to you in the hotel downtown from Urbandale is what I'm doing right now. So I'll see you yeah. in a little bit. But no, yeah. I uh, you know the the, uh, the 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 three gate change and the uh, hour plus delay in Charlotte yesterday was was lovely. As you said earlier, there's no easy way to get here. So you know then that whole deal changing time zones always throws me off just for a little bit. You know, the body clock's all out of whack. But, uh, you know, and then by the time, you know, when you're that late and then by the time you get to the hotel, you get unpacked, you get all your stuff sorted, you unwind, you look at the clock, you're like, dude, it's 1 o'clock. Like, I, I, I got to get some sleep. So, yeah, a little <laughs> long travel day, but I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll today. Well, I'm glad that you, now you did not have to miss a flight because of it, correct? Uh, connecting correct, or flight yeah. or anything? Yeah. Because, uh, and like I said, I'll get the details from Roger. Jonathan Thomas was going to go through O'Hare. Never a really good option this time of year, I might add. Uh, but that was that was that was the way they were booked. And his flight out of Austin to O'Hare got delayed at least by an hour. And Roger said he's going to miss his connecting flight at O'Hare to Des Moines. So I'm sure Jonathan eventually got here, but it, it couldn't have been easy. By the way, while it's fresh on my mind. Uh, very close to where you are stationed, very close to where you are sequestered, is a place called the Machine Shed, and it's one of the best breakfast places you could ever go to. So just, the Machine just, Shed, okay. Yep, to, yep. It's in Urbandale. It's in Urbandale. Uh, it was a it was a particular favorite spot. For our uh, late producer Bill Harwell, when we uh, Longhorn football, they, when we were staying with the team out at that Marriott West Des Moines, way the heck out there, we'd go to the Machine Shed. It's a great, you know, home cooking breakfast kind of thing. Just just think of it as a a really uh, more homier, bigger, better, brighter, and tastier version of like Cracker Barrel, that type of thing. But it's it's, it's I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I'll check it's, that out. Yeah, what yeah. I've what I've realized, Craig, about the state of Iowa, every everybody wakes up early. Like stuff is open early, but you know, yeah. if, if you don't get something to eat by you know nine thirty, ten o'clock, you're just SOL. Yeah, you miss out. 
You do. That's a good point. That's <laughs> a good point. Uh, I got out the hard way last night. Oh, yeah. I imagine so. All right. So so you did get in here. Uh, t- today is uh, is press conference and and uh, and shoot-around day, so to speak, the open practice day, that sort of thing. I know you'll be over there for that. But what else we have here uh, cooking on the notebook? Yeah, so I'll get to some hoops next hour because I've got some numbers and, and a couple of things on my colleagues in 24-7 sports have uh, produced in the last couple of days that I think are really interesting, some good numbers to look at. But I want to make sure we get our football fix. You know, sure. Longhorns are, are off this week for spring break, but I want to make sure we get our football fix. Cam, we got we got these cuts ready to roll? Yes, sir. That's that's why you're the best, Cam. Uh, Cam doing an awesome job uh, back there while Craig and I are both uh, – out, uh, out and about. But so this first cut that we'll hear, uh, this is Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, this is for Sark's media availability. This is last Friday. This is the last time we've heard from Sark or anybody on the 40. Obviously, no availabilities this week with nobody on campus. But, uh, you know, this team has talked, Craig, already about trying to make that transition to being a player-led team. And it's going to take more of a collective effort. Jay LaFord talked about this last week. It's going to take more of a collective effort. To, to make up for the leadership that you're losing with guys like Roshan Johnson, Keandre Coburn, guys, DeMarvin Overshaw, guys that were big-time leaders for you. It's going to take a collective effort. And, and you know, it, it, this time of year, spring ball is about guys realizing that, hey, it's my turn to sit at the head of the table, so to speak. I just think this is a really cool story Sark tells about Xavier Worthy being a guy taking that next step in terms of player leadership. To have a guy like that teach. It's really big. Like there was a there was a really cool moment today in practice that we were in a team run period where Jonte was still trying to figure out like are we you know like do I block this safety you know I mean I got to go down here and I got to block you know Keaton Crawford who's storming down and, and get this block done and then Xavier and Jordan talked to him like hey, we got to go block that guy and then we go to the next period. Xavier has the same block, and he goes in there and puts his face on him and blocked him. And I celebrate it because that's growth for Xavier. But that's also a living example for Jonte of what it looks like and how to do it. And that's the idea when you have veteran players showing the way for the younger players how to do it. And I think that's where we're kind of at now as a program, that our veteran guys know what and how and why. And now they can be sometimes that voice for the younger players that doesn't always have to come from us as coaches. I think the key thing there, Craig, is guys finding their own voice and finding their way to lead. You know, not everybody can lead the way Roshan Johnson did. And, you know, we go to past Texas teams, not everybody can lead the way that, that Brian Arakpo or Roy Miller or, uh, you know, Kenny Vaccaro, not everybody can lead that way. Guys have to kind of figure it out. You know, Bijan, I think, really turned the corner from that standpoint last year. You know, Bijan's way to lead was, was propping guys up and, and being positive and kind of positive reinforcement when, when things aren't going right. You know, some guys are, are the rah-rah guys that, that want to holler a lot. And, and to do that, it's hard to be that guy. You've got to be one of the best players on the team. But guys, I think it's about guys finding their own voice. And some guys are really good lead by example guys. And maybe that's you – know, this is a small way of showing Xavier Worthy is, is kind of finding his own way to lead. But that's – I don't want to make it sound like it's cliche or coach speak, but if you want to be a player-led team, that's the kind of stuff that gets you there, Craig. Well, and and it has to be organic, and I think that's what got Sark excited about that, that it was really organic, that that's X telling him, yeah, you got to pick up that guy, you know, so on and so on. That's not – it doesn't have to be every single snap 
you know, direction given by the coach, the assistant coach, the position coach, or the head coach. It doesn't have to be that way, and in fact, shouldn't be that way. There comes a point right. where that has to step up, and and when you see a guy like an upperclassman now in Worthy, you know, uh, uh, imparting that information to an incoming true freshman, a talented one who's looking for his own snaps and playing time at the very same position, that's growth in a football team. No doubt. Uh, we'll stay on offense. Malik Murphy's foot injury has been a really big topic of conversation throughout the first week of spring practice. I just felt like it was worthwhile to hear this cut from Sark just on how he's helping Malik Murphy get through this kind of tough transition where, you know, the three practices we were out there for, Craig, uh, Malik was just kind of having to stand there, arms folded, and observe. And, you know, it's really good work for Arch Manning right now. We talked, you know, I've kind of beaten the horse to death about. Uh, you know, the bad, the need for a backup quarterback, the fact that you've got to develop a backup quarterback. But this week, this week might be more critical, and Sark will get into it right here in this cut. This will be critical, more critical for Malik Murphy than maybe anybody else in the program what happens this week or the off week. I think his spirits are actually really good. I talked to him right tonight or today um, before we were coming off the field. You know, this the spring break is going to be big for him to get himself healthy enough to get back on the grass and start practicing again. Um, you know, he'll be staying in town and, and rehabbing. Um, uh, as you all know, I mean, I, I love Malik. You know, I think he's got great upside, and I saw a lot of growth in him at the end of last season, and I thought he had a really good winter conditioning. He had a little bit of a setback, um, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden now he's, he's forgotten. You know, I, I can't wait for him to get back out there and show what he can do because I do think that, that he's, a, he's a really good player. He, he's, a, he's got a great personality, leadership qualities, uh, but very physically gifted as well. So um, looking forward to getting him back out there because, like I said, competition is the best thing you have going for yourself, especially in spring ball. You know, when, when, when the guy, another guy at your position is playing well, man, that should push me to want to be even better and know what to do and how to do and, and make that throw or make that catch or make that tackle. So we need him out there. We, we need that competition to be healthy at quarterback. Yeah, I, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, Craig, but the need to develop a backup quarterback, like I've said, Sark has had to go to the backup by game three each of the last two years. So whether it's Arch, whether it's Malik, uh, you've got to develop one. I, I really think if, if Malik Murphy can't go, like if you get to Monday and then he's still dealing with the foot issue, um, not that you're not expediting Arch Manning's development or really working on developing him. I think at that point, you, if you're A.J. Milley and you're Sark, you, you might just have to say full go, hey, Arch, you know, and I think this is, this is one of the things I dig about Sark, Craig. He hasn't said anything relating to Arch and playing time where he's backed himself into a corner. And he hasn't said he's certainly going to redshirt. He hasn't said he's certainly going to play. But if you feel like Malik Murphy's still dealing with his foot issue coming off the break, and you know you don't you don't know if it's going to get any better at that point, you got to start preparing Arch to be QB two this year. So that's that whole dynamic is going to be really interesting to watch how it plays out. I know people want to talk about can Arch push Quinn Ewers and, and whatnot, and that's a whole different ball of wax that you know. I, don't really care to go into at this point, but at any it's too rate, early. You got to develop a back. Yeah, you got to develop a backup quarterback, and I think at the very least you got to get Arch ready to roll for that. Uh, speaking of folks, the last name and, Murphy, and, and by the way, the Jeff, cut, he, Jeff, one other thing, yeah. Ben Ballard's not walking through that door, folks. 
you know. So I'm just <laughs> just saying, you know, for a backup quarterback, you know. In fact, the, the number he wore is the number being worn by Arch Manning now, 16. So Ben Ballard's not walking through that door, folks. Just just want to remind you as, well, the, well, as the work continues for developing a backup quarterback. Cole Lord and Charles Wright are still getting reps, Craig. So well, that's not, true. That's not completely – to quote the great Bill Parcells, have you have you fired the other two or do they still have a chance to compete? <laughs> so, uh, well done. I guess we'll uh, – and I think you might have addressed your colleague Rick Renner, your old colleague Rick Renner, when saying that. But I, he I did. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> like I Speaking of guys with last name Murphy, uh, you know, Jalen Ford said Byron Murphy's ready to be the breakout star. After Pro Day last week, I – I was talking to Moro Ojimo, and, and he said, you know, Byron Murphy's just a total package. Guys on the team kind of call him an Aaron Donald starter kit. That's the internal talk. That's not coming from me. But, uh, you know, Sark was asked on Friday, hey, what is it about Byron Murphy? What makes this guy so special? And Sark gets into it right here, why everybody in the program seems to be really high on Byron Murphy right now. Yeah, I love Murph, man. He, um, you know, I would say for a guy who wasn't, a frontline starter, he was definitely impactful for us when he played. You know, he's very disruptive, he's strong, he's powerful. And the thing I'm seeing from him now is the leadership is starting to come out. You know, all of a sudden two older guys leave, who else is stepping up? Trevondre Sweat, uh, Byron Murphy, two guys that have, have kind of taken the bull by the horns there and, and um, doing a nice job. So. Uh, Murph, Murph, uh, you know, again, I think he's going to have a heck of a year for us. He's working hard. I think he's wired right. You know, he's got a real mentality about him. He's, he's tough. He's physical. Uh, he wants to be really good, and he works at his craft. Yeah, Craig, if you start looking at the numbers from Pro Football Focus, the only defensive tackle, interior defensive lineman Texas that last year that graded out higher than Byron Murphy was Moro Ojomo. I mean, Murphy was graded out higher than Tavondre Sweat, graded out higher than Keandre Coburn, everybody on the defensive line. And one thing that I, I you know, I didn't realize, and I, I think it just shows the, the talented depth Texas has at that position. I didn't realize Byron Murphy played almost 400 snaps last year. I mean, wow. Byron Murphy had logged more snaps than, than Moro Ojomo did. Yeah, Murphy's at 393, Ojomo 376. Uh, Tavondre Sweat actually ended up playing the most the most reps out of anybody on the interior D line at 463, uh, and then Keandre Coburn's at 413. So Murph's snap counts were really really high last year. And again, I just think that speaks to that in and of itself. Craig speaks to how good he was. There were times where I mean, you had two guys that were stand a really good chance to get drafted. When Murphy was in there, you didn't notice any drop off. And honestly, at times he was maybe a little bit more disruptive than either of those guys were. Yeah. So I. I you know, that was a take that when the previous staff was able to flip him, you just looked at that and said, yeah, that, that seems like one that they're going to feel really good about here in a couple of years. And I know you saw quite a bit of him at DeSoto, Craig. I, I just think Byron yep. Murphy is, is primed to, to be that next guy. You know, we talk about can Alfred Collins make that step. Uh, you know, you still got Vernon Broughton there. You know, I asked Sark last week about Jeray Bledsoe and the progress he's making, but uh, I think really this year what, what Ojimo and, and Coburn were for last year's defense, uh, I think Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy are going to be that for, for the defense in 2023. Just as the yeah. two, two stalwart interior guys that are really disruptive and can help you uh, affect the quarterback. Uh, let's see. So uh, next hour? We uh we've got uh, we've got some uh, basketball stuff from you. Yeah, we'll get into hoops. We'll kind of we'll take a look at Colgate and uh, kind of their statistical profile, 
And uh, I've also got some some Marcus Carr slash Jabari Rice numbers that I've found really really interesting. Want to check? Oh, them out. good. All right, all right. Uh, I'll uh, I'll let you uh, reconnoiter coming up here uh, at the bottom of the uh, the next hour from uh, from lovely Urbandale. That's Jeff Howe uh, out there. So uh, we'll we'll check in with again uh, next hour, Jeff. Uh, we'll do that. All right. Uh, oh, hey, Jeff. Before you go. I just, I, uh, yeah. Are you still with me? All right. I've, yeah. I, I'm, getting re- I'm getting ready to do Inconceivable. And we all know what, what, what your innate fear is, you, the inevitability of the robot wars that you say. I mean, it's, uh, not, it's not an innate fear. I mean, it's a rational fear. It's just going to happen, but continue. Okay. All right. So uh, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and do this one even before the break and before we get into the other deal because Jeff needs to hear this. Because when we com- when we compare our irrational innate fears, you know what mine is. So, uh, Cam, can we get a bet? Can we get a bet right here? I don't feel right doing an inconceivable story without some kind of bet. Can we get, uh, get something? Something. I, 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 I've just got to. I, I got to tell you, Jeff. Dateline, Dixon, Oklahoma. And, and I mentioned this at the start of the program, you know, I know we're fond of Florida man stories. We've been getting more and more Oklahoma woman stories of late. So we've got this one uh, from Dixon, Oklahoma. The two, the, two are, the two are more related than you would think, as it turns yeah. out. But, yeah. yeah. And this is Carter County. This is like between Ardmore and Norman, you know, going up that way, uh, or say Ardmore and Paul's Valley. A Carter County County woman says she was attacked and injured by a neighbor's pet monkey while in her own front yard on Sunday afternoon. (laughs) Now, now here's here's the real hook on this deal. Dixon police say the 911 call was the most unusual calls they've ever received, you think? Um, She said, I was sitting here in this exact spot, and then I looked out the window, and there was a monkey looking at me said victim Brittany Parker. I took a second glance and said, oh, my God, there's a monkey on the front porch. And then she said she was stunned. She said, quote, the monkey was trying to get into my house. The little button that you push in on the screen door, he broke it off. I was literally hanging onto my door trying to hold it closed. So then she called police. The officers show up. She goes outside, and that's when she gets attacked. She goes out to talk to the police and says, quote, he jumped up on my back and landed on my head. He started grabbing handfuls of hair and just ripped it out. He ripped my ear almost completely off my head. The monkey ran off after the attack. Here's the, here's the exact quote from the Dixon police chief, Tim Duncan. As we were looking for the primate, two shots were fired. The shots came from the area of the victim's residence. Officers went back in the house and found that a family member of the victim shot and killed the primate. Tell me, stop me if this sounds like it's Oklahoma. Uh, Parker and police say they didn't know someone had a pet monkey in city limits. Friends of the monkey say his name was Jack. Jack the monkey. Uh, it was all very scary, she said. It was very traumatizing. She can't work. She's going to need plastic surgery to fix her ear and is worried about the family's safety. Uh, they, uh, police say having the monkey is not illegal. Uh, so, uh, investigators say they'll turn the story over to Dixon. See, that's the reality. The fact that the monkey was looking at her and making the rational decision or making the, the decision in its mind to attack her, 
That's the kind of stuff that makes contact. me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Did, did or did not, do you remember when Des Bryant had that pet monkey? Didn't he release that monkey into the wild? He did. I wonder if this is I wonder if that was I wonder if that was Dallas Bryant if he made his all his made his way up to Oklahoma. And this this person just took him in and made him renamed a pet. him Jack. Jack the monkey. Yeah. Uh that's good. I, I wanted you to hear that because it further validates, you know, my irrational fears, which uh about primates. So I just just wanted you to hear that.